This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. So we have been following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Today we're going to begin a new breakout series called Following Jesus, The Final Week. And so we're going to be looking at highlights from the final week of Jesus before his resurrection. Today... We are going to begin this series by studying Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26, the Passover feast. Jesus is going to eat the Passover feast with his disciples. This is an incredibly important moment. He gives his disciples what we call communion in the context of a Passover feast. So today, I'm going to do a lot of teaching Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Passover feast by walking through a Passover Seder. Anyone been through a Passover Seder by a raise of hands? So you're going to, this is going to enrich that experience for you. And we're going to see how Jesus is going to use elements from the Seder to talk about his death, to help us understand the meaning of his death. And so today, I just want to make a caveat that this worship service is going to be very different So can we all say that? It is going to be a different service. So if you're new here, uh, come back next week. This is going to be different. Uh, It's not going to be a typical sermon. We're going to be chanting psalms. So you ready to do that? We're going to be reciting prayers and reciting scriptures. So I am going to be inviting you to actually say out loud, don't worry, it's all going to be on the PowerPoint And it's going to be interactive as we learn about the Passover Seder. So let's pray and ask the Lord to anoint this time. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are present here. You say, behold, my dwelling place is with you. And so we believe it. But Father, would you fill us and anoint us and empower us with your Holy Spirit anew and afresh to make this time holy, set this Sunday apart, Fill us with your spirit so we can grasp something in this Passover Seder um, that would cause us to worship you and celebrate the good, the good news of the meaning of Jesus' death. Bless this time, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, So we're looking at the Passover Seder in the Gospel of Mark, but I first want to give you the context uh, so that you can, it'll help you see the gospel text better. So the context is Exodus. Exodus chapter 12 talks about the Passover. I'm going to, it's a lot of text, but I'm going to read through it and I'm going to highlight words and phrases that will help you understand this gospel story. So Exodus 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the what day? 10th day of the month, every man shall what? So on the 10th day, they take a lamb. They select a lamb. According to their father's houses, a lamb for every household. And the lamb shall be without what? Blemish, a male year old. And you may take it on that 10th day from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it from the 10th day until the what day? 14th. So you select it, but then you, on the 14th day, of this month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill, sacrifice the lamb at twilight, which is sunset, the beginning of their day. Then you shall take some of the blood of that 
sacrificed lamb and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. And they shall eat it, eat the flesh of that lamb that night, roasted, not raw, not boiled, roasted on a fire with what? Unbread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. In this manner they shall eat it. They shall the belt fastened and sandals on their feet and a staff in their hand. They shall eat it in haste. It is what? It's the Lord's. So you're going to eat it fast because you're, we're exiting. And for I, God says, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I'll strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all their God, the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. So all the ten plagues, these are judgments on all the, the gods of Israel. The final one being the God of Pharaoh himself. Um, and so... Uh, he, he's executing judgments in order for all of them, Israel and the Egyptians, to understand that Yahweh is the Lord of lords, not these other gods. And, he, and so he declares, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. And then the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will what? So that's the name of the Passover, Passover you. And no plague will befall you or destroy you or strike, you, strike the land of Egypt. Now he's going to talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is what we're going to come to in Gospel of Mark. So he says, on this day, which day? The 14th day, the day they sacrificed the lamb. This day shall be a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall, not eat unleavened, you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. No leaven. You got it? No leaven. And so on the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, like what we're doing today. A holy assembly. On the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe what? Yes, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on this day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. That's why we're celebrating, because of the deliverance out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout all your generations as a statute forever. So that is the story of the Passover in Exodus. That's the context. Now we're going to see how Jesus is going to honor that command and celebrate that Passover, the Passover feast starts the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we're going to see this with the disciples now. So Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 12. And on the first day, that is the 14th day of the month, the day that they sacrificed the lamb, on that 14th day, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrifice the what? The Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and what? Prepare for you to eat the Passover lamb. Now, I want to underline this word prepare because the Passover feast, uh, there were many, many preparations that needed to be made in order to celebrate the Passover feast. So I'm just going to share seven preparations that the disciples would have made. Then we're going to come and actually enter into a feast. Sound good? Yes. Sounds great. To me, it sounds awesome. Okay. So, for, so seven things real quick. So the disciples first would have prepared by selecting 
a Passover lamb. If you remember the Exodus story, every household get a male unblemished lamb on the 10th of that month. Interestingly, in AD 33, the 10th of the month fell on the day Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. No coincidence here. Symbolically, what's happening, that everybody's selecting a lamb that day. So Jesus is presenting himself as the unblemished lamb to the whole nation at the time they select their lambs on that triumphal entry. So then secondly, they prepared by sacrificing the lamb that they had already selected on the day of the triumphal entry. So the first day of unleavened bread, they sacrificed the lamb. On that 14th day, they sacrificed the lambs. So it's important to understand that the day that they sacrificed the lambs was the very day when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross as that Passover lamb. So they made that preparation. They sacrificed it, roasted the lamb. They had other preparations. They prepared a Seder plate. It's a large plate, the centerpiece of the Seder table. The plate holds foods, and these foods tell the Exodus story. So there are different types of foods, like green vegetables, like parsley that's dipped in salt water. There's the horoset, which is a mixture of apples, nuts, and wine, and spices. There were the bitter herbs, like horseradish. There was a roasted egg, which was a symbol of the festival sacrifice that they brought for that festival in Jerusalem. There was a roasted bone that was a symbol, a sign of the Passover sacrifice, that lamb that was roasted as well. So the disciples would have prepared that Passover plate. The fourth thing that they would have prepared is three pieces of matzah bread, three pieces. And they would have been stacked one on top of the other. And they did it because they ate on the Passover unleavened bread because they had to leave in haste. They didn't have time for it to leaven. So they had three pieces, one on top of each other, covered in a white napkin. The fifth element is they prepared four cups of wine, as you see on this table, each representing some some special moment in the feast, the wine of sanctification, the second wine of plagues, the wine of redemption, the fourth wine of praise. And they drank each of these four cups of wine throughout the feast, said a prayer over them, which we're going to say, and then we also are going to recite a verb from Exodus chapter 6 as well. Then the sixth thing that they would have prepared is a room, and here we're going to come back into our scripture. So Mark chapter 14, 13, uh, and Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, go into the city of Jerusalem, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of what? the house. So Passovers were celebrated not in the synagogues, but in homes. And say that the teacher says, where's my guest room where I might, might eat the Passover with, and he should have said his immediate family because Passovers are celebrated with family. But instead he says with my disciples. So he recontextualizes what a family is. In other words, when we eat communion, we become family. That's what he's saying. We become a family together. And so what's exciting about this scripture is we we know approximately where this actually took place because of some of the clues in the text. If you remember, he says the teacher. And the te- there was what's called the Essene community. 
The Essene community we know a lot about because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were looking for a messianic figure called the teacher. So when Jesus identifies himself as the teacher, he's saying to that whole Essene community, I am the Messiah that is to come. I am that Messiah figure that you're looking for. I'm the teacher. So we know this took place in the Essene quarter in Jerusalem. And you can go there today and celebrate it. And then verse 15, he says, And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There what? Pre- oh, yeah, I didn't underline that. Prepare for us. And the disciples, they did it. They set out. They went into the city and found it just as Jesus had told them. And they what? Prepared for the Passover. So I want you to see that this feast, there were many things that needed to be prepared. In fact, the last thing I'll point out is the Seder table itself. Um, it says in verse 17, when, And when it was evening, twilight, that's when they would sacrifice those lambs, he went with the, came to, with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating. Now, here's my question. Why would they recline? The, because the f- Passover feast celebrates their deliverance out of slavery. And at that time, only free people would recline while eating. Slaves would stand. So free, so it's a, this feast is a celebration of their freedom. So disciples prepared the, past, the Seder table. And often when we think about the Seder table, we often have images like Leonardo da Vinci's um, Last Supper, don't we? It shows Jesus in the center of the table, the 12 disciples on either side facing in the same direction. It makes for a beautifully balanced and symmetrical painting. Beautiful, is it not? But that's not what it, have lo- it would have looked like. Jesus and the disciples would have been reclining on their left arm around what's called a triclinium table, as you see on the screen. And they would have prepared, there would have been a special assigned seating arrangements for that meal. And what's interesting is we know, we are pretty sure we know where people would have been seated. For example, we know that John the, ba- or John the apostle laid against Jesus' bosom. So if Jesus is reclining on his left, where's John sitting? To his right. If he was sitting to his left, he couldn't recline on his bosom. And so we know that, that John was right there. And we, we also are pretty sure that uh, Judas would have been seated to his left. And that is the seat of honor. It's the seat for the guest of honor. Is that not amazing? And here's why. We see it in the text itself. Mark chapter 14, verse 18. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And then they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, is it I? Is it me who's going to betray you? Is it me? Is it me? And he said, and he said to them this, and this is our clue. He said, it is the one of the 12, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. And we do know that the guest of honor and the host would dip together. 
that's the, the, in the elements, those, they're going to dip the matzah bread together as we're going to find out. Isn't it amazing? Judas gets the guest of honor on this. Jesus loves him till the end, even the one who betrays him. He is so amazing, Jesus. So the Passover feast requires a great deal of preparations. Now, what is the Passover feast? It's a feast to actively remember the Exodus story, how God delivers Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And so I'm going to be teaching us about the Passover feast. I'm going to do a lot of teaching, and I'm going to do it by walking us through a Passover Seder. Now, what is a Passover Seder? The word Seder simply means order or arrangement. So a Passover Seder is the order of the Passover feast. And, and there are many examples of Seders, like a wor- an order of worship is an example of a Seder because it's just an order. Like, for example, we come for worship, but there's always an order of worship. There are different elements in the worship service. One element is the songs we sing. Another element is the prayers. Another different element is the sermon or the communion or the benediction. It's all in an order. That's what a Passover Seder is. It's an order of the Passover feast. So today, we're going to look at 14. Yes, you can count them and keep track of them. 14 elements in a Passover Seder. Now, I want to make a caveat. There could be different arrangements to these. They could, uh, there could be different variations. But the elements that we're going to look at today are the elements that Jesus and his disciples likely celebrated. And the reason we know this is because the elements we're looking at are developed by Rabbi Hillel, who lived two generations before Jesus. He uh, developed the Mishnah, the Talmud. So we know that Jesus and his disciples would have, maybe in a bit of variation, celebrated these very elements. Sound good? Yeah. So family... Family, are you ready to walk through these 14 elements of Passover Seder? Are you, you ready to chant psalms? Are you with me? Okay, let's go. Element one, the washing of the hands. The leader would uh, wash his hands and pass the water around the table, and then every one of us would wash our hands. And then everyone would say this prayer of blessing, and you can say it with, with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to wash our hands. Sanctified just means to make holy, and make holy just means to set apart. So we are, by washing our hands, we are saying we are sanctifying this time. That this time that we're about to enter is not like what's going to happen afterward. It is special. It is set apart. We, it is, this is a holy time. And Lord Jesus, please, may this be a holy time for us as we enter into the Passover Seder. The second element is the first cup of sanctification. So we would take the first of the four cups and pour the wine into it and then say a prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine, And you, Lord our God, have given us this festival days of joy. So this feast is to be a day of joy. It's not a somber feast. It's a celebration. We have been delivered. 
It's the feast of unleavened bread. This, the time of our deliverance and the remembrance of the departure from Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, who has kept us alive and sustained us and enabled us to enjoy this season. It's a season of joy. So this feast is a time to be joyful. Then everyone would say the prayer of blessing. Would you say it with me? Blessed are you, Lord our God. Sorry, it's a, the next one. That's going to be on the screen. Yeah. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. And then we would all then recite the first verb, the first of the four verbs found in Exodus 6. This, these are the words of God that he promised before the Exodus ever took place. And so let's say the first verb together in Exodus 6, 6. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So this first cup is to remember that the, the word bring. God brought us out of slavery. So do you have your cup? Let's all drink it together. Okay. Now we come to the third element. The dipping of the greens in salt water. So they would dip the vegetable, green vegetable like parsley into salt water. Why would they do this? To remember the tears of slavery and the crossing of the salty red sea in the Exodus story. So they would remember the story of the crossing. How after 430 years of living in Egypt and the servitude and the Hebrew slaves enslaved there in Egypt. But Pharaoh and the uh, and they left Egypt. But Pharaoh and the Egyptian army pursued them while they were leaving. Yet the Lord drove the sea back and the waters were divided. And a miracle. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. But the Pharaoh's army followed them through into the sea and the waters covered the Egyptian army. So that on that day, God brought us out. He saved us. He delivered us from the Egyptians. All right? So you have your parsley in your hand? Okay, go ahead and dip it into the salt, salty water and go ahead and eat it. Mm, you taste that salty, see? The fourth element, the breaking of the middle matzah. So the leader would take the three pieces of matzah crackers um, and would say a blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and has commanded us to eat unleavened bread. So then the leader takes the middle piece of the three, puts the other two pieces back, and the, then the leader would break, break, usually does it a little better than I did it right there, the, the pieces, and the smaller piece would go right back in the middle, in the middle here, of the two other matzah crackers. And then the leader would take the larger piece. This is the middle broken matzah called the afikomen. And the leader then wraps this into a napkin. And the leader would then hide it. So close your eyes, everybody. Close them. Close them. I'm going to hide this. No one's going to find this. Okay, you can open them now. So that it's hidden. It's the broken piece of matzah 
What is that broken matzah a symbol of in the Passover feast? It's the broken Passover lamb. The broken matzah is a symbol for the Passover sacrifice whose body was broken to save us, save many. So now we come to the fifth element, and it's called the Megid, to tell the Passover story. At this time, the leader would then just tell the story, maybe a whimsical way, take a long time to tell the Exodus story in his own words. Then we come to the sixth element, which is really part of the Megid as well, called the four questions. The youngest member of the family would ask four questions. Why? Because God commanded Israel to tell their children about the Passover. So Exodus 12, verse 26, when your children ask you, well, what does this ceremony mean? Why are we doing all of these things anyway? It says, then tell them it's the Passover sacrifice, the Lamb of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. So the youngest member at this time would ask questions on the theme of why is this Passover night different from all the other nights? You know, on, on a Sunday we eat pizza. On Monday, it's Mexican Monday on Mondays. It's Thai Thursdays on, on, on Thursday. So why, why do we do things different on this night? So there are four questions, and I, wanna, I want to invite you to ask the four questions. So question number one, can you ask it? And the leader would answer, because on this night, our ancestors ate matzah, and they, and they had to quickly escape Egypt, so we couldn't wait for our bread to leaven. We couldn't wait for it to rise, so we ate unleavened bread. So question number two. Because, because on the night of the Passover, our ancestors ate bitter herbs, and the bitter herbs remind us of the bitterness of slavery. Question number three. We dip the matzah into the bitter herbs to remember the bitterness of slavery, but we dip it again into the horoset to remember the forced labor, that, the labor we did in slavery. Question number four. Because only free people, only free people, and we are free, we are free. Only slaves stood. So that's why we recline on this night, to remember we don't take this for granted the freedom that we have been given through, through Yahweh. So now, the seventh element. The second cup of plagues. The leader then takes the second cup, pours the wine in the second cup, and then everybody would say the prayer of blessing. Let's say it. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. Then we will recite the second verb from Exodus 6. I will deliver you from slavery to them. God has delivered us from slavery in Egypt. How did he do it? Through the ten plagues. And that's why this is called the cup of plagues. And what happens next, so amazing, is there's a white plate, and the leader then would dip his finger into the cup of plagues and put ten drops on the white, the white plate. What do those drops represent? The plagues. So the first cup of blood. God turned the water of the Nile into blood. And why don't you say the bold and underlined words? The second plague of? 
the third plague of, the fourth plague of, the fifth plague of, the sixth plague of, the seventh plague of, the eighth plague of, the ninth plague of, and the tenth plague of. That's the judgment over Pharaoh himself. And the leader would then explain how God delivered Israel's firstborn through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and commanded us to paint the blood on the doorposts. And then our fathers ate the roasted lamb and the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. And the angel of death passed over. We were delivered and we were set free. And so now do you have your cup? Now let's drink the second cup of plagues. All right. The eighth element, the, and this gets fun. Are you with me, by the way? Is this as fun as it is for me? So uh, uh, we're going to recite, they're going to recite the whole Egyptian halal. It's called the great halal. Halal is Hebrew, it means to shout. In other words, when your sports team scores, what do you do? You're like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> I'm cerebrally excited that they... No, when, when, they, when you, your team scores, you're like, yeah, yeah that's, that's the idea. That's the spirit of this, is that we shout for God and all he has done. And the Psalm 13 and 14, 114 were sung before the meal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you two simple ways to chant. So if you are able, please stand at this time, and I'm going to chant. And at the, at the bold letter, I'm going to just do a step up. And at the underlined word, I'm going to step down. Halle means shout. Yahweh means to shout to Yahweh. Hallelujah. And it means shout. So can we just, pra- I, want to, I want to hear you practice shouting, okay? So shouting, okay? So you're going to shout, praise the Lord after I chant each line. So let's practice. Praise the Lord. You got it. Praise the Lord, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the setting where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, Praise the Lord. who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth, Praise who the Lord. raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, Praise the Lord. who seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. Praise the Lord. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise you got it. Now re- stay standing. And now I'm going to have you chant. We're all going to chant. And by the way, there would have been maybe different tunes that Jesus and his disciples would have chanted. But they would have been chanting. They would have been reciting these very psalms at this time. And so I'm going to teach you the simple, as I just did, step up when it's a bold word and then step down when it's an underlined word. You could do this anytime you want as you read the psalms. In your own personal worship, you can do this kind of chanting. So let's do this together. You ready? Two people are ready out there. (laughs) Okay. When Israel came out of Egypt, 
the house of Jacob from a people of foreign tongue. Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, O sea, that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back, you mountains that you skipped like rams, you hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool. Give yourselves a hand. That was great. You can be seated. Now the ninth element, the eating of the bitter herbs. The leader takes the unleavened bread, and everyone would say the prayer of blessing. Let's say it. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And the leader would then take and dip the bread into the marr, the bitter herbs. So imagine a big thing of horseradish. When I did this in uh, the Philippines, we use wasabi, okay? So you got to think like wasabi, okay? So why would they eat bitter herbs? Because they ate it that night, and the bitter herbs remind them of the bitterness of slavery. You have to read back at the beginning of Exodus what the Pharaoh was doing to them. Brutal, these are the words that are used, brutal, oppressed, hard, forced labor against a people. And so they would take turns dipping the unleavened bread into the horseradish and eat it. So I want you to do that right now. Go ahead and take your matzah, dip it in, and go ahead and take a bite. How did it taste? Okay, you did, definitely did not do this right. Because I I think some of you took a little dainty little dip, you know, a tiny little dab on the corner of horseradish, and you ate it like that. So here's what you need to do. You need to, like, dig in there and take a giant chunk of horseradish and wasabi, okay? Just a big giant. And, um, oh, gosh, I've got funny stories about this. But anyway, so now you, you got it. Let's do this again. Dip it in. Take a bite. So the whole point, it's not just a cerebral event. It's an active way of remembering. The whole point is it's supposed to make you cry. It's supposed to bring tears to your eyes when you remember the bitterness of slavery. That you don't forget what God has done for you. So then the leader would then take, do a second dipping and take the unleavened bread and then dip it into the horoset. What is horoset? It's a mixture of apples, nuts, wine, and spices. Uh, why would they eat this? Because horoset means clay. The, the horoset mixture looks, if you see it, looks brown, sticky, mushy. And it's made to look and resemble like the mortar that they used to make the handmade clay bricks when they were enslaved in Egypt. So now let's all dip the unleavened bread in the horset, and we can all eat it right now. Go ahead. Yeah, how, what does it taste like? 
delicious. It's sweet. Yeah, it's got a sweetness to it. And that is because God has delivered them out of that, that hard, forced labor. And by the way, this is that moment when the guests of honor, and this is Judas and Jesus, would have been dipping together. That's why we know that he would have been sitting right there in that same cup, the, the host and the guest of honor. All right. So now, the 10th element is the meal. Now we get to all celebrate. I'm sorry we didn't make a big meal for you today, but this is when we'd stop everything and, and eat together. When we refer to the Lord's Supper, we're re- actually referring to the meal that, that the disciples ate in the context of the whole Passover feast. It was actually a separate element. It was a separate meal. Why did they eat the meal? Because they ate the meal that night. On that night, they ate the meat of the roast, roasted over fire. They ate, they ate the bitter herbs, and they ate unleavened bread as well. Now, what's interesting is that this may have been the time when Jesus washed his disciples' feet at the meal. And the reason we think this is because of the text. John says Jesus rose from supper. We know he was celebrating the Passover feast. And he rose from supper. And what that means is he rose from this element when they're eating a meal together. And he, he does the unthinkable. He takes off his outer garment. He puts a towel around his waist. And then he, he takes on the form of the slave. And he washes their feet. It, it was so unthinkable. Peter's like, never will you do this. It's because a Hebrew slave, a Hebrew slave was not even required to wash feet. So Jesus says, you want to be great, be the servant. You want to be first. The way to do it is to be the slave of all. And he just does it right in the context of this meal. Isn't that beautiful? So after the meal, they'd say the prayer. Now, in my family, we always say the prayer before the meal, but they say prayers after. And I want you to recite this with me because I love this prayer blessing after the meal. So let's say it. The name of the Lord be blessed from now until eternity. Let us bless him of whose gifts we have partaken this meal. Blessed be our God of whose gifts we have partaken and by whose goodness we exist. that amazing? Bless you, God. Bless you. Bless you for all that you have done. Bless you for what you've given us. Bless you by your goodness. We exist by his goodness. Love that prayer. Then we come to the 11th element, the eating of the hidden middle matzah. What is the hidden middle matzah? Do you remember? It's, a, the, bro, it's the broken piece of the middle matzah is, is called the afikomen. The broken middle matzah is a symbol for what? Well, that's the meaning of it. Sorry, it's all up there. The, it's a, the middle matzo symbol of the Passover lamb that was broken. His life was broken. And it's called the ofikamen because ofikamen means what? You got it. Dessert. When do you eat dessert? After the meal. The, you, the last thing that we are going to taste is the symbol of the Passover lamb whose life was broken. That's the last thing that we're going to taste. It's going to be the last thing on our lips. So the leader asked the little children, hey, can you find the hidden matzah? And the children would go scurrying around. They find it in an incredible hiding place right here. And so the child would then give the middle uh, matzah 
to the leader. The leader, listen to these verbs, take, bless, break, and gave. Listen to this. The leader takes the bread from the child. The leader then blesses the bread. You know, bless you, O Lord God, King of the universe, brings forth the bread of the earth. He blesses the bread. Then the leader breaks this middle matzah into tiny olive-sized pieces. It's why we eat communion with olive-sized pieces. Not because we don't want to give you a whole slice of bread, but because this is what Jesus did on that night. And then he, after breaking it, he gave these pieces of the middle broken matzah, symbol of the Passover lamb, to his disciples. And this is the point, friends, when Jesus instituted what we call the words of communion. Notice the verbs. Mark 14, 22, and as they were eating the Passover feast, they just finished the, the meal. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is the Passover lamb. Is that what he says? That's what he should have said. This is the Passover lamb who sacrificed his life and set us free. But what does he do? He says, take this. This is Whoa, what do you mean? My body for you. He surprises the disciples. He uses this broken piece of middle matzah to talk about his death, the good news of his death, that this broken matzah is a symbol of the sacrifice whose blood was painted on the door frames. It delivered them from death. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, this is my body. He's saying that his death is that once and for all sacrifice that will deliver all of us from death. Yes, exactly. And that's why over and over in the New Testament, like Paul says, Christ is our Passover lamb. And that's why Peter would say his blood, the blood of Christ, it's like a lamb without blemish. That's the Passover lamb. So Jesus is showing that this broken matzah is a symbol of his once and for all sacrificial death as the Passover lamb. And when we eat it, we eat it with joy. It's a feast of joy to celebrate all that he has done. So because on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, it's for you. Do it in remembrance of me. So now we are, I'm going to ask the communion servers to come forward, and we're going to eat the broken middle matzah with joy and celebration of all he gives us, a gift of eternal life. And while we're doing that, Phil and the team are going to chant Psalm 115 which would have been chanted at this time. And we're going to serve you, by the way. You can remain seated, and we're going to actually, we're going to do what Jesus did and give it to you. Not to us, O Lord, Not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God?
Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Now the twelfth element, the third cup of redemption. The third cup is brought, the, lead, the leader after the meal takes and pours the third cup. And everyone would say the prayer of blessing. Would you say it? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. Then we'd all recite the third verb from Exodus 6. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, I will redeem you. And that's why the third cup is called the cup of redemption. And this is the point in the Passover Seder when Jesus institutes the words of communion over the wine. He took the cup and when he had given thanks and blessed it, he gave it to them and they drank it. And he said to them, This is the third cup of the redemption. He should have said, this is the third cup of the redemption. But he didn't. It's the symbol of the blood, of the sacrifice, of the Passover lamb. Instead, Jesus uses this third cup, this element, to talk about the meaning of what is going to happen at his sacrifice. And so he says to them, this is My blood, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of all of your sins. 
this blood of the covenant, it would have reminded them back in the Exodus story when God made his covenant with the people. God says, you do this. And the people said, we're going to obey you. We're going to do this. And then so Moses takes blood of the sacrifice. And he and imagine being there, by the way. They, he threw blood on everybody. And that's a promise you'll never forget, by the way. And uh, the, that the Lord has made with you today. God is making this promise in blood. So Jesus is saying that this cup points to his blood, which he promises the bl- by a blood covenant, a blood promise. He promises that he's going to pour his, his blood out for, for your forgiveness, for your forgiveness to set you free from every sin. You are set free. That's why this is a a meal of joy, a feast of joy to celebrate um, that you, your freedom, to celebrate your freedom. And that's why John the Baptist, the first thing he says when he sees Jesus, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And interestingly, Jesus says in Mark 14, 25, the the very thing he says right after drinking the cup of redemption, he says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And what he's doing here is he's making what's called, when he says, I will not drink again, that's called a blood oath. In other words, I I promise, he says, with my own blood, I promise that, he, that I'm going to pour out this blood, and I promise you are forgiven. Really forgiven. Set free. So after, we know it's the third cup of redemption because after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he says, this cup, it's the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. So now I'd like to call the communion servers who are going to, once again, you can remain seated. They're going to take and give the, cu- the third cup of redemption to you. And please hold on to it. We're going to drink it together as a sign of our unity in Christ. And while you receive it and hold on to it, the worship team is going to sing, chant yet again uh, another psalm, Psalm 116. Of the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live, the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came upon me, I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous, our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted, when I was in great need, He saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord 
in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And in my dismay I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Now if you can take that third cup of redemption, that cup of redemption, and let's drink together. And now the 13th element is the fourth cup. And so he takes that final fourth cup. It's called the cup of praise. Hallel, the shout. And again, they're celebrating their freedom. And he takes and he pours the fourth cup. And then everyone says the prayer of blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. And then we all then recite the final verb from Exodus 6, 7. The final verb is take. It says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And that's why we're praising, and that's why we're shouting. God has taken us to himself, and he has set us free. So now, in the spirit of praise and shouting and joy, would you all drink the fourth cup together Let's go. And we drink it because he's taken us. He's brought us out of slavery in Egypt. And this now will conclude the Seder meal with the 14th element. So we just drank the cup of praise and we're celebrating. And in Mark chapter 14, 26, it says, When they had sung a hymn, they went out on the Mount of Olives. And we know what that is. It was going to be Psalm 118, the end of the great Egyptian halal. So we're ending and we're concluding this Passover feast in celebration by singing a hymn together. And in order to really celebrate it today, Phil has written an original song based on Psalm 118, which I'm super excited about, as you can tell. And so uh, we're going to receive the offering while you're going to hear this incredible worship team uh, perform what what I really, this song I'm loving. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this feast to remember all that you have done and 
the, free, the freedom that you give us, the hope of eternal life. And Lord, the freedom that you give us, uh, freedom from our sins and freedom from the consequences of sin. Lord, you have set us free. We are free people in you and we belong to you. And you have done great things. You have done great things for our ancestors and you are going to do great things in the future. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this meal. We thank you for this freedom. And so as we come to this time of offering in our gratitude and in our joy, we give you these gifts And um, may we celebrate your freedom with this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good His love endures forever Let all who fear Him sing His praise His love endures forever His love endures forever
His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Sing that out. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love. Let that be your meditation. Just lift it up. His love endures forever. love of God the Father and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and may the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always and all God's people said Amen.